Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. As we continue this series on church, we're going to be looking at a parable Jesus told and asking the question, why does God allow these abusive things to continue to happen? So if you guys have listened to this podcast for any length of time, then you know that I feel pretty strongly about what's been going on in evangelical Christianity, like for for sure, but also across other denominations of Christianity with this just abusive leadership and this stuff that's getting exposed and all of just the garbage that it feels like is coming up in our church these days. And I really, I really have a problem with it. Like, I really struggle with it, partly because of my own story and things that have happened to me, and partly just because I have heard other stories from other people. And I just really struggle with, God, why do you allow this stuff to continue? And I really struggle with places where I know that the people in charge are not really having the best interest of their congregants, and where, you know, things that are wrong continue to happen. And there is a power structure that is just unhealthy. And there are dynamics and systemic things that are just really unhealthy. And yet somehow it just keeps happening. And these people in charge do not get exposed and they're able to just continue to lead and abuse. And I hate that. And I just struggle with that so much to the point where sometimes I have these like fantasies that I'm going to create this organization that takes town these bad church leaders. And I have all these plans in my head of how I'm going to make that happen. And it's ridiculous. But the other day I was asking God about it. I was just talking to him and I was like, I know you care about people. I know you care about the broken people. I know that you have a plan in all of this, but I just really struggle to see your goodness in the way that you allow some of these leaders to just stay and dig in or as Mark Driscoll did, just reinvent themselves and how is this okay? How is this good? And how are you really taking care of your people? And as I was wrestling with this with God, I remembered a parable that Jesus told, and it's the parable of the wheat and the tares. And so I was looking into that, but then I have this new net Bible and I use it a lot online or on my phone because it has a lot of really great commentaries and apps and stuff like that. I do have a physical copy as well that has some of the study guide material in it, but not quite the same level of access. So as I'm in my net Bible and I'm looking at Matthew 13 um, verses 24 through 30, and then as Jesus explains the parable in verses 36 through 33, I started reading some of the notes and it was like I saw this parable for the first time because so often, guys, when we translate scripture, or when people have translated scripture years and years ago, we miss things that are just of vital utmost importance. So this is not the parable of the wheat and the weeds or the wheat and the tares. This is the parable of the wheat and the darnel. Let me read it to you. And it says, he presented them with another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a person who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed darnel among the wheat and went away. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the darnel also appeared. 
So the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the darnel come from? And he said, An enemy has done this. So the slaves replied, Do you want us to go and gather it? But he said, No, since in gathering the darnel, you may uproot the wheat along with it. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, first collect the darnel and tie it in bundles to be burned, but then gather the wheat into my barn. And I was like, Darnell? What the heck is Darnell? Guys, Darnell is a secret to this entire story. But before I tell you about that, let me read you Jesus' explanation. Not often does Jesus actually explain one of his parables, at least it's not recorded in scripture. But in this case, he literally tells his disciples what's going on. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the Darnell in the field. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. So that's Jesus. The field is the world and the good seeds are the people of his kingdom. The poisonous weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. He literally explains the entire parable to his disciples. But before we can fully understand even his explanation, you need to know what Darnell is. And I don't know if I've never like heard this before somehow or if I'm just like dumb and everybody else knows this. But Darnell is a very specific weed. And it was actually against the law in the Roman Empire to sow Darnell in your enemy's field. Because, are you ready for this? Darnell is a plant that looks exactly like wheat. It looks exactly like wheat. Until the harvest, when the wheat produces fruit and the Darnell does not. Guys, isn't that crazy? But guess what? It's even better. Darnell is poisonous. It's poisonous. And I mean, I think it could kill animals. It could kill, I don't know, it's, it's poison. It's bad for you. And so that's why it was so illegal to sow this in your enemy's field because they could think that it was wheat. But when it gets to the point of the harvest, you can then tell which is which. And it was like my eyes just <laughs> were opened in this like huge way. And I'm recognizing to myself, it feels like I can see the people in the kingdom that are not really of the kingdom that have been sown there by the enemy, it feels like I can tell that. And yet at the same time, for me, in my ability as I'm the slave of my landowner or the servant of my master, Jesus, I really don't have that capacity to be able to decide what is what. Why does he not pull up the Darnell immediately? Why does he not have his angels come in and pull up the Darnell immediately? Because he doesn't want to ruin the harvest. If you look at this, he says, no, since in gathering the Darnell, you may uproot the wheat along with it. And guys, I was so convicted because I want to go in these situations and I want to just blow them up. Like there's churches that I'm like, if I could just tell the truth, like this whole thing would fall apart. And I don't know that that zeal is really from God. I don't know that my passion and my desire for vengeance and justice and truth is actually from God. Because if I went in there and blew it up, 
I would probably uproot the wheat along with the darnell. Knowing that Jesus is so zealous for his harvest, for the people that he loves, that he knows are his followers, that he knows are his, that he's willing to allow the darnell to grow among the wheat because he doesn't want it to be uprooted. And he says, there will be a time when we can tell clearly which is true wheat, which is a true follower of Jesus who really is a part of the kingdom and the people who are not, the people who are of the devil, of the, of the evil one, who are not at all a part of the kingdom. And there will come a time when we can tell that very, very clearly. And at that point in time, it's not even the slave's job to take care of it. He's going to send in his angels and he's going to separate the wheat from the darnell. And I don't know what it was about that, but the fact that God is so capable of having this paradox and tension that he holds where he knows exactly who the Darnell is. He knows the people who are not genuine followers of his, who are in there and are poisonous. And yet he loves the harvest and he wants the harvest more than anything. He doesn't want a single a single blade of wheat to be uprooted. He wants it to grow and to flourish, and he's perfectly capable of doing that. I think back to myself in my you know, late teens, early 20s, as I was trying to follow Jesus in the middle of this cult. And if somebody had come in and really just blown up everything that I thought I believed, would I have maintained my relationship with Jesus? I don't know. But I do know that he very, very patiently and gently separated me out from the lies. And he patiently and gently has continued to separate the lies from the truth in my heart and in my mind. He does not go in with a blowtorch and burn the whole thing down. He is loving and he is gentle and he is patient. And he knows exactly what the harvest needs. He knows exactly what his people need and he can get them producing their fruit exactly where they are. And he is such a wise landowner and he knows exactly what to do. And to me, this kind of feels like the paradox of where I was when my babies died. If you read my book, you know that I had a couple of late-term miscarriages before I had my kids. And there was this weird place of paradox of recognizing that, like, God did this. Like, he's big enough to do this, and he's big enough to not owe me an explanation for this. Like, all I need to know is that he never lost control. He allowed this to happen, and he doesn't need to tell me why. And I was okay with that. I was okay with a God that was that big and that powerful and that strong and who loved me that much. And I guess I kind of feel the same way about this. Like, I still don't know why. He allows some of these people to continue to lead his church when they are definitely, I can't even say definitely, guys, because in my perspective, I'm like, they're definitely not his people. But I guess I don't really know, do I? Do I have the eyes to be able to tell the Darnell and the weed apart when it's not the end of the age? Probably not. And he is wise enough to know when to leave them and let them be and protect his harvest despite the, the devastation that's happening. Like, how is this, 
how is this possible? How is it okay for this poisonous plant to grow up right next to this wheat and even be intertwined with it? And yet somehow it is okay because he knows exactly what he's doing and he has a plan and he's going to take care of it all. And so I don't think we have to never speak truth. And I do think there's this very fine line here because I do think that some of the leaders that we have in our churches and the situations that we're in with the systemic abusive situations and junk like that is because we have gotten to the place where we're not willing to step up and speak truth. That we've created a very unwell and damaging culture in many of our evangelical churches, a place that's just ripe for somebody who's a narcissist to come in and take over and be in charge. I think that our lack of Bible knowledge has made us just weak and we're able to just be lied to and twisted and manipulated. And so I do think there is a place for truth. And I do think there's a place to speak that truth. And Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all kinds of people warned about false teachers, wolves in sheep clothing, antichrists, false prophets. I mean, this has been a thing that we've dealt with since sin entered the world. And it's not something we have to ignore and push away and be like, oh, well, God's going to take care of us someday. Like, this is still something that we, like, step into. We say, okay, this is truth. This is false. This person is not speaking truth. This is false. But I think that my own heart, where I just want to be like, this is ridiculous. We're taking care of this right now. That's the part of me that needs to just take a step back, relax, and recognize that God has got this. Like, he knows exactly which people are his and which people the enemy has put there. And it's not bothering him. And he's got it figured out. And he loves his harvest the most of all. He knows exactly what people need to come to the place where they meet him and he's going to bring them into the place where they can thrive and grow with him. I don't know about you guys, but that's encouraging to me because I just feel helpless a lot of times. I look at the scenario, I'm like, I don't know what to do here. Like, how do I even begin to do something, anything? And yet, I'm just reminded that God has not lost control. He's still doing what he's doing. And he's doing it for a reason and a purpose. And so, as always, we end up at this place of tension where we have to, on one hand, yes, there are false prophets and false teachers and wolves in sheep's clothing and people that we've been warned about that we do need to continue to warn others about and continue to call out. And no, we should not make our churches a place where people who are abusive can just have all the power. And at the same time, when we look at situations and we go, why is this still happening? Why is this still going on? To recognize that God is fully sovereign and he can stop it anytime he wants to. And maybe it's because he's protecting the wheat. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. This is something that I have been wrestling with for, gosh, the last couple of months probably. And it's probably something that I'm continue wrestling with as this whole church situation just feels really near and dear to my heart and still a little raw and just real. And yet, as I know, even in my own story of how God just gently drew me and didn't blow anything up and was able to protect me and my heart and the fruit that he wanted to bear in my life. So, yeah, like I said, I'd love to hear what you have to think. Please reach out via email or my website or social media. Let me know what your thoughts are. So thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love to have you join me over on my Substack at christylynnwood.substack.com. 
for newsletters, notes, and a community of people who are searching for the real God.